0: Saw this when you were younger, right? No, this is my first time. Yeah, me neither. So I think it's time for us to confront some difficult truths. Our parents were racist. (laughs) You mean because it didn't show us this Motown classic? They Dude, nine-year-old me would have eaten this shit up, and the fact that my parents never rented this, this must have been in every fucking video store, and I never saw it until I was like 30 plus years old. My, i think my parents erased it that's what i've learned from this <laughs> why else wouldn't they rent this uh good question um
1: i can only imagine when it was jumbo video blockbuster video time there wasn't a lot of these sitting on the shelf of the store they must have had one stop it come on
0: <laughs> this must have been in there yeah,
1: it was there sneaking there i mean i wish i had yeah. seen this as a child i feel like i would have
0: enjoyed it oh big time are mm-hmm. you kidding me But But our parents were racist, and that's where we are. (laughs) Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And today we are talking about The Last Dragon, a Motown Productions picture. I don't even know what to say about this, man. This is just a, like, two-hour-long karate Music video from Motown. Yeah. This, Songs of the 80s, basically. This was pretty special.
1: I was a huge fan of the Bruce Lee movies, and they're definitely an inspiration for this uh, with its own sort of uh, Motown sensibilities and a lot of music that sort of backs up this the story here today.
0: Oh, yeah, man. It's all about the music. Are you kidding me? Literally, in the course of this movie, we get like three different essentially music videos. And this whole thing, it seems to me there's like an ad for like buy this soundtrack is what this really was.
1: Yeah, for sure. The music is so prominently featured that uh, one of the main characters is
0: a sort of music show host which is hilarious hosting yeah. the equivalent of like a soul train yeah. or like electric circus for any of you who grew up in the greater toronto area absolutely in like the 90s. electric
1: circus that's a deep pull
0: i don't know man it's something though and uh, i i think i would have bought this soundtrack there's some good stuff on here <laughs> there's definitely some recognizable
1: songs for sure uh some of the early ones they they drop are ones that i knew uh, and others definitely some great 80s tunes in here and some bad stuff too let's be honest there's some oh there's ones. some pretty bad there's yeah. a couple of darts. oh yeah
0: <laughs> yeah fair enough but yeah man this is what we're talking about today and as always we've got a beer that relates to the movie that we are watching what are we drinking today Noel? we are drinking a
1: motown honey brown which i mean oh fuck that's yeah. an easy pull right absolutely uh, this is from craft heads brewing company And I did a little bit of looking on them. They're out of Windsor, Ontario. Uh, They're like a pub or a craft brewery where they have usually 30 of their own taps. Oh, yeah. So pretty impressive. They brew just a whole bunch of really different beers for all kinds of different flavors. They self-describe themselves as like a mix between Baskin Robbins, Willy Wonka, and a brewery. Uh, The one we're drinking today is their Honey Brown. This says, low on the adventure meter which they have on the left here which is pretty hilarious they've got beer for the adventurous and we're right down here at one hop i like the sound so of that me... that's good for me yeah yes please <laughs> this is gonna go right up the cooper alley but uh i'm looking forward to it as well it says the harmony of caramel and honey notes is a supreme temptation that can't be four topped oh my god so just name yeah. dropping all of them in there this multi beer is a stevie wonder that is signed sealed <laughs> and delivered it's so- yours
0: Yeah, man. It's beautiful. Uh, I've never had this before. I'm looking forward to it, especially after hearing that description. So what do you say we crack this open? Yeah, definitely. I'd love to check this place
1: out. We got a friend of the show, Brian, lives in the Windsor area. We'd love to go down and visit him
0: one day and maybe visit the Craft Heads Brewery. Absolutely. This place is on my list for sure after seeing what they have to offer. So we open with some shirtless flexing karate punches and kicks. We see the title and the title gets smashed by an elbow. This is our main character, Leroy Green, played by martial arts star Tymac. He's got one name, like Cher.
1: He rocks it in this. Uh, Bruce Leroy is the other nickname that he goes by a lot in the movie, and you kind of see why uh, with the sort of
0: moves and finesse that you see him perform throughout. Well, we see him performing it right now, but while that's happening, uh, an older Asian gentleman, who we learn is his master, starts shooting arrows at him. Now he chops a couple from the air and eventually catches one, specifically a blue one now this raises more questions than answers his master wants to know how did he know that was the blue one and leroy says he doesn't know this is the closest thing we get to a montage because we've got some
1: pretty good 80s song blaring in the background as this is happening and i'm kind of enjoying this regular speed montage it's it's not bad i wish it was sped up and there was a little more happening in it but
0: i'm already kind of happy with the direction of this movie Well, that's the thing about this. Like this is basically a movie for kids. And right away, we're just hit over the head with like, there are bright colors, there is action, there's music. This is like super appealing to kids or anyone like with a short attention span, I feel. Um, Leroy doesn't know how he caught this arrow and he thinks that means he's in trouble, but it's actually the opposite. His master tells him he has touched the final level. He knew without knowing. And with that, their training is done Leroy is confused. He was told that when he reached the final level, he would be surrounded by a sublime glow called the glow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he kind of.
1: I mean, his trainer, his master, which is a is a very weird like old asian stereotype is, for he, sure. old, uh, is well, he old though is he no we're not sure we think he might yeah. have a fake mustache and he might be faux aged, um but he's definitely a stereotype of an asian sort of martial arts teacher um he's trying to tell him that he's reached
0: the pinnacle but he's upset because yes there's no glow yeah i love that they have worked the title in less than five minutes that's got to be a new record for us the master tells him that basically he is the last dragon and uh that the only way to attain the glow is to embrace all parts of life, confusion like he's experiencing right now, also vengeance, fear and love, and this journey he must do alone. Ooh
1: damn. Um that's good. I I missed that section there um about how he had to find love as a part of his training to become that final master and if I had of sort of
0: recognized that I would have understood a little more
1: some of the plot decisions in this movie.
0: Yeah, man. Um Leroy is very sad. From all of this, Mm -hmm. all of this news. So the master throws him a bone, says that if it's a master, he must have to find an old sage called some dumb Now, this is said to be the wisest man in the universe. And coincidentally, he's here in New York. So he gives Leroy a gold medallion that he says once belonged to Bruce Lee. And when he finds the master to give him that medallion, and we're off, man. Just like that. We're fucking into it. We get a sweet song coming out as he's heads on his journey. Yeah, man. And I'll name drop some of the songs in this soundtrack as we go through the film. I didn't catch the name for that one, but this is one of the better songs of oh, this soundtrack. A good Again, one. there are some winners and there are some real losers. <laughs> um as you mentioned, he's walking through the city in kind of full like karate gear. Not only really karate gear, it's kind of like what you might think of as like traditional Chinese garb, or perhaps it's stereotypical Chinese garb. I don't know. He's wearing the hat and sort of the full robe outfit. Yeah, um, like the straw, the big round kind of like straw yeah. hat. Yeah. And he's definitely sticking out.
1: It's not normally what people in New York City, especially at the time, are wearing.
0: No, my God, no. Um, he goes to see a Bruce Lee movie at a theater with a very vocal crowd, and pretty soon there's trouble. We hear some very loud steps, and into the theater walks. Am I the meanest? Show sure, yeah. up. Am I the prettiest? Show sure, yeah. up. Am I the baddest mofo low down around this town? Show sure, yeah. up. Well, who am I? Show up. <laughs> the Shogun of Harlem. What an entrance this guy makes, eh?
1: Yeah he he walks in. Actually, he doesn't walk in first, but he has an entourage who comes in, sort of sets a gauntlet for him and he walks through it enters it he's wearing like shoulder pads and body armor and is a very animated character for sure oh and the sunglasses the sunglasses he does he does ask if anyone's better than him he interrupts the mute movie which leads several people in the crowd to come down to try to
0: fight him and shut him up well first he says he's the baddest motherfucker around a kid in the crowd disagrees and says that he knows who can beat him, Bruce Leroy, which is, of course, our main character, Leroy Green. Now, Shonoff doesn't like that, so he calls him out. Someone else tells him to sit down and shut up, which you would expect in him and the movies he mentioned. This leads to, yeah, a giant brawl. Many people come to try and test the Shogun. He puts them all down. But while this is happening, Leroy walks out rather than fight. He kind of like walks along the seats, which is pretty kind of cool, actually. Yeah, he shows his balance. He's also eating popcorn with chopsticks. He's definitely
1: demonstrating some skills, uh, but also showing that As a true sort of martial artist, he doesn't want to fight for no reason, right? There has to be something here. He's not just going to fight this guy to prove that he's stronger. That's not what he's all about. So he walks out of the theater while Shogun kind of punches and beats up random people who challenge him.
0: Yeah, he drops some wisdom on show first, though, about how, you know, fighting isn't always the answer. And Shonuf can't believe it because this is the guy he's heard. He's heard rumors he can catch bullets with his teeth, which comes into play later on. From there, we cut to the very luxurious apartment of Eddie Arcadian, the video game king. He is <laughs> basically like a rich guy with some management aspirations. Yeah, he's a he's a bald, short, white dude who is trying
1: to make up for those aspects of his life by really overcompensating in his aggressiveness, it, both in business and in other choices that he's making. He's got... This thug with him, who we see go to a freezer or fridge and pull out meat and put it into a fish tank, um, and that meat quickly disappears. And you make um, that makes you think that that's going to come into play pretty seriously later. And then he's also got sort of this woman on his couch in a very '80s outfit, right? It's sort of the idea you think of of the exercise or pop music videos of the '80s uh,
0: dressed there. She's meant to be like a poor man, Cindy Lauper, essentially. He's, I like guess we mentioned, he's got management aspirations. He wants to turn her into a pop star. And uh, the plan to do this is to get her video on this 80s dance party TV show, which is hosted. By our main love interest in this movie, Laura Charles, played by Vanity, who, in my opinion, is just an all-time beauty. Like, this woman is gorgeous.
1: So it's interesting, right? So our love interest runs a show, and Arcadian wants to get the sort of his Cyndi Lauper-esque character on. Clearly not as talented, right? And does... Your all-time beauty, want her on that
0: show? Oh, fuck no, not at all. And you can see why, because we kind of joined the show in progress, and the song they're playing is Rhythm of the Night by DeBarge, which is just an all-time 80s song and the undisputed star of this soundtrack. This song is a massive hit, and I I feel like I've kind of historically underrated this song. Like, I've made a few lists of, like, best of, like, 80s, and I constantly forget to put this on there. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, fuck, this song is really good. Yeah, it fits really well into sort of the pace of the movie, too.
1: It's the perfect song for them as they start getting into this sort of conflict between Arcadian and our character, Laura, who doesn't want to play this really bad Faux Cindy Lauper song, and they put out this like killer song, which is Rhythm and Night, and they have the full video and all the people dancing to it. It works really well. You can see where the Motown people are trying to take this movie by showcasing some of their really popular or great songs of the time, too.
0: Well, and it worked, man. This song was a massive, massive hit, and it sold this soundtrack. Like this was it was not on a debarge album. You had to get it off this soundtrack, and so the soundtrack moved like fucking hotcakes. As you mentioned. She doesn't want to play this song at all. Eddie Arcadian is not going to be deterred. He wants to kind of wine and dine her. He sends someone to try and convince her. It's a young William H. Macy, which is like so surreal. He looks so (laughs) weird.
1: It is really funny. And he's like really persistent. And she just keeps shrugging him off saying, no, we're not going to play this song. I don't think it fits with sort of what our goal is on this show. And he says, this is a bad idea. You really need to play this song. And does she listen?
0: No, fuck no. Uh, which I mean, she's going to be in trouble. William H. Macy makes it very clear. He says, he says this guy plays rough. He's got kind of a knife to his throat. He's implying he's dangerous. She can't hear this, though. She's got stuff to do. She actually has a performance to do on the show. She performs the song Seventh Heaven, and this is, is, is not a good song. Uh, especially, <laughs> listen, to this, I'm serious. Especially coming off Rhythm of the Night. Oh, yeah. Um, this, is, this is rough.
1: They set the expectations high, right? And they introduce a character, which, as you said, is like, incredibly beautiful and you hope that her musical talent fits with that and
0: this song does not highlight that. No, but on the bright side while this song is happening, we do meet Leroy's brother Richie. He dances on this show and has a huge crush on Laura Charles, which I mean who doesn't? Again, she's just (laughs) magical. (laughs) In 1985 Uh, you would have been three. three Three-year-old me would have sat up in his fucking little kid bed, let me tell you. If she walked in the room... (laughs)
1: <laughs> Was that a three-year-old boner reference? I, I, no, I literally would have
0: sat up. I would have sat up, wave, said hello. Okay, um, fair. all right. I, you know what I say? Everyone's a crush on her, and as she's leaving that night, she seems to catch Leroy's eyes kind of passing through, sees her leaving. They kind of get a little, little eye contact with each other, and um, they're going to meet in just a minute, but first, we've got some of Eddie Arcadian's goons who try to kidnap Laura, but Leroy saves her, and uh, after saving her, he's just a perfect gentleman. I mean, he beats the shit out of these guys. One of whom, by the way, uh, Chaz Palmincherry, future uh, star of many movies. That's cool. I didn't recognize him. He, he certainly does. Like Le- Bruce
1: Leroy certainly fucks them all up um, as they try to take her in that car. Um, she's pretty impressed. And he treats her very graciously,
0: gets her into a cab and sends her home safely. Yeah, man, he even disappears before she can thank him. Uh, but it turns out that in the course of all this action, he drops this gold medallion. And actually, she finds that in the ground and grabs it. So now we know they're going to meet again in the future. I kind of like they're keeping this going. Meanwhile, Eddie Arcadian's back at his penthouse apartment waiting for the goons to show up with Laura Charles. And he shouts at Angela so that we know he's a bad guy. This is kind of just him showing off his like bad guy his credentials power, by like, yeah. threatening a woman.
1: So. It's really weird what he yells at her too. He tells her not to cry. He says if you cry, it's going to look like little pig peed in your eyes. Uh, super weird, right? I didn't heard know what that the, yeah. saying before. That Never. Was, that's that was very fucked strange. Fucked up. Like. I don't
0: even understand what that means, but if you're crying, it looks like a pig has peed in your face. Well, I've heard like, you know, you don't want to, if you cry, you mess up your makeup. You land up looking puffy, something like that. If you have like a, if you have an important meeting, photo opportunity, whatever, you don't want to do it. But like, I, I've never heard that. It's a weird expression. It was really weird. Um, He's waiting. When his goons come back empty handed, he comes up with a new plan and it certainly sounds kind of ominous. We don't know what the plan is just yet, but it's implied. Something bad is going to happen. Then we cut to Leroy teaching some kids karate. He's got some students of his own, one of whom, uh, Johnny Yu, is the comic relief of this movie. Yeah. How'd you feel about Johnny Yu, Noel? Mm. yeah <laughs> They definitely
1: stereotyped an Asian character. He's overly vocal. He pretends to be really good at karate, but knows he's not early into this movie. And then all of a sudden becomes a fucking karate wizard near the end. So it's pretty oh, interesting. Spoilers. Oh, yeah, because our
0: podcast isn't full of those <laughs> fucking we things. We spoil everything. We spoil everything. If you're just joining us for the first time, eh. Leroy clearly has much to teach him. But before he can, enough arrives along with his crew. And they storm the dojo. He's looking to start a fight, but again, Leroy won't, even after one of them, punches him in the face, and they try to force him to bow. Yes, they call him the limp wimp, and they tell
1: him to kiss. (laughs) It's a great one. Yeah, and they tell him to kiss Shonuff's feet, and they actually sort of threaten to harm uh, his student, the one that we were just speaking about. Um, Johnny Yu. Johnny Yu, and the only way for him to prevent Johnny Yu from getting hurt is to kiss Shonuff's boots. So, of course, Leroy is going to do that to protect Johnny Yu. So,
0: he goes down to kiss his boots. And what does Shonuff do? Oh, Shonuff kicks him in the head. Had to, right? it's the, the oldest water. trick in the yeah, book. Yeah, dirty. Uh, dirty Shonuff is fixated on this. He is determined he's going to get that fight eventually, but it's not going to be today. From there, we cut to Leroy training. His brother wants, no, he needs him to come for dinner so that he can get out of their parents' apartment, he needs to rehearse for the big dance contest because the winner of the dance contest wins a date with Laura Charles. Now, Richie makes fun of his brother for kind of being weird. And I mean, he's got a case here, right? His brother is objectively weird by the standards of the time. I mean, yes, he is so focused on martial
1: arts and his training and becoming a master that It definitely seems out of place in New York. He's not interested in the same kind of dance parties or doesn't even know really who Laura Charles is. So it's interesting. I was thinking while I was here, how hard would you have practiced dancing to get a date with Laura
0: Charles? (laughs) I would have been just 24-7 stretching, fucking (laughs) dancing. Just, yeah, I would have danced my fucking ass off. You had the routine down. Yeah. All right. Um, I like it. Yeah. He dances weird. He speaks weird in Richie's opinion. Uh, doesn't seem like he's interested in girls, at least not until they see a commercial for Laura Charles' show and he recognizes her. He begs his brother to take him to this show. And after a lot of back and forth, Richie agrees, but only if he will carry him on his back. And that's what he does. We cut to him carrying him on his back. Turns out Richie's going to sneak into this show, and apparently he always does. That's his move. Tells his brother to stay put while he finds a way in. And while Leroy is waiting, he sees Laura Charles get grabbed... By Arcadian's henchman rock.
1: Lord Charles is not having a good go here. This Arcadian fellow is not letting up at all. This like little bald white guy definitely has Little Man syndrome. He is gonna <laughs> overcome whatever he can to get what he wants. And what he wants is for his fake Cindy Lofer fake Cindy Lopper lover to uh break into the big time here because he wants some of that credit too. I don't even think he cares about his uh his lady friend, but he wants that credit. Um And so she gets taken and back to
0: the sort of hideout or apartment of Arcadian. Yeah, man. And he forces her to watch his lady friend. Her name is Angela. He forces her to watch Angela's video. And I have to be honest, uh, like it's bad. But I don't think it's much in that song Seventh Heaven that we just saw Laurel Charles perform. It's not much worse. Yeah. It's not much worse I mean, at all.
1: We were calling it a crappy Cindy Lauper, but it's it's like definitely fitting within the 80s vibe. And you could have seen it maybe be successful if like it happened at the right moment, right? It wasn't a horrible song for what we were looking at.
0: Yeah, even some of the hits of the 80s weren't hits, you know what I mean? Like some of them yeah. were successful, but they weren't very fucking good. And as I say, I see I see little to no difference in quality between this and and the song that uh, Laura Charles just performed. So here we are. Um, she won't air the video still, even after seeing it, or maybe especially after seeing it. So Eddie Arcadian's about to get violent. But just then, Leroy kicks down the door, like literally. He literally kicks down the door. Yeah. And uh, he's masked up. <laughs> For some reason, Eddie Arcadian's line is,
1: What the hell is this guy? We didn't order out.
0: Which, what? Like, I'm sorry. If you order, like, Chinese or, like, Fucking, I guess, Jap- Ninja's are Japanese, right? If you order Japanese food, like, it, does a fucking ninja show up to deliver it to you? Like, this is not a thing. What is this? They kick down your door. You've never had that happen? Like, that's commonplace. <laughs> you didn't know yeah. Oh, yeah. Last um, time I got sushi, they kicked my fucking door yeah, down.
1: Yeah. So they, he kicks in the door. It's funny because this is the first time he's covered his face, but he's covered up and he starts fighting all of these henchmen. He throws out a whole bunch of, like, ninja stars or darts to take out the hand of all the
0: guys who went to reach for their guns. Yeah, it seems kind of slapsticky. It's almost like comedic at times times when like Eddie Arcadian tells fucking Rock his main henchman to go after him but before he can one of the other henchmen swings a chair back and smashes Rock yeah. in the face. Like it's it's a little bit of comedy in here. Definitely uh Leroy of course beats the shit out of all of them. Eddie Arcadian unmasks him, Laura recognizes him of course and at that point uh Leroy says hot head needs cool water and and dunks Arcadian in this tank. Now, we don't know what the fuck is in this tank, but whatever it is, is some sort of monster based on how fast it devoured the food earlier. So I'm like, oh, fuck, Eddie Arcadian's a dead man. But no, Leroy pulls him out quickly. Thank goodness. But it's enough for Eddie Arcadian to be severely rattled and swear revenge on Leroy.
1: Yeah, this is weird because they built up that fish tank before really heavily, but clearly nothing happened to him when he went in there and he was there for a little bit, not long. So I understand why he wasn't like scathed with it. But I think
0: this thought, is the last time we see it too, right? This is the last time we yeah, see it. Yeah, I
1: thought this fish tank was gonna play a really big role based on how much
0: they blew it up early in the movie, and it never comes up again. No. So Leroy takes her home and she gives him back the medallion that she picked up, and we get some charming awkwardness before he has to go.
1: There's some romantic music. Um she comes back and brings him the belt buckle, but it's clear that he's too aroused and doesn't know what to do, so he leaves the room. <laughs>
0: He's awkward, but like in a fun way. He turns around, like walks into a chair. I I thought he hit that chair with his erection. Like, I thought that (laughs) was just what happened when he moved. He does, he kind of like does like a little comedic shrug that's pretty Mm -hmm. funny. I don't know. I enjoyed that. That's harmless. That's harmless.
1: It was funny. It's silly. It's uh, his brother. Earlier in the movie, tells him that he has no idea what to do with ladies. He says he doesn't even have a paintbrush, so he has no
0: idea how to start with. Oh love. yeah, man the the art of making love. Yeah, Leroy doesn't even have a paintbrush. Yeah. It's a great metaphor. Which is he's got funny. no moves. Yeah. yeah. The next day, Leroy is walking when he stumbles upon three Asian guys who are dancing to yet another eighties Motown misfire. This is another bad song. This one's not good. Um, um,
1: wasn't it a song about sake? It they're, was
0: really bad. Yeah, they're making it. Trying to make the connection here to the like uh, Asian themes of this movie. Not a good song, man. Most of the people who are watching these guys dance are kind of laughing at them. But Leroy is oddly transfixed, especially when he sees the sign above them, which says "some dumb goy," which is the master he was with circuit before. So he waits till these guys are doing a little performance. Then he asks to see the master, but they say the master would never see anyone as square as him. Square is one of the many things they call them because apparently at this building, they manufacture and mass produce not only fortune cookies, but also cultural appropriation. These guys are uh, its tough it's, to watch. It's
1: rough. It's a really bad scene. The The one guy is wearing a mesh shirt, which is never a good choice, right? Like, I don't know a single human can pull off a mesh shirt very well
0: this guy certainly doesn't no and not like a Mungo Jerry like a mesh shirt in the sense that it is like a knitted like you know no it's more no, like, a like, a, like a see-through a see-through yeah. mesh like an early 2000s party boy shirt I love that you brought up Mungo Jerry because he's the closest <laughs> man guy, to ever yeah. pulling it off
1: yeah like in the it's summertime it a long time since we had a Mungo yeah. Jerry reference I mean gotta, I love that we brought, brought Mungo Jerry back on the podcast <laughs> two per season <laughs> we going to get two Mungo
0: Jerry references per season
1: well I'm gonna look for opportunities next season trust me that's number two yeah <laughs> I bet you are. <laughs> oh fuck oh, me!
0: Jeez. So uh, he, I guess he's rejected. He has no choice. He just leaves. But he makes a mental note: remember this place. This is where he's going to find his answers. From there, we cut to uh, Daddy Green's pizza shop, and Shonuff enters the shop looking for Leroy. Now Leroy isn't there, so Shonuff smashes the place up to send him a message. And this is where Shonuff kind of names uh, his three main henchmen, and their names are Beast. Cyclone, and Crunch. I feel like <laughs> Crunch got the really short end of the stick in that naming scenario. Is like that... of all those names, <laughs> fucking Crunch. Now, Crunch was
1: breaking a lot of shit, so I kind of understand the name, but are you like thinking of it as in like the saying, I need to go take a Crunch? Oh my God, well, t- I wasn't. But it's like, a slang word for going to take a shit. Thank you for explaining that. I'm not sure that anyone got that from the
0: context of your earlier <laughs> comment. Yeah, <laughs> uh, oh, man. I don't know. I, in my mind, at least, there was an immediate hierarchy of like which of these goons are worth my time and which ones aren't. Now Richie Leroy's brother tries to stand up to show enough, and he gets stuffed in a garbage can for his troubles. Literally, show just picks him up and fucking stuffs some face first into a garbage can, which is actually hilarious. It's a good visual. <laughs> um, they are smashing the crap
1: out of Leroy's family's pizza shop, right? Like they're just trashing this. Telling him that they want him to come out and actually have this fight. Like, Shonuff is doing everything he can to
0: antagonize Leroy into that battle. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's sending him a message, and Leroy arrives just in time to see them leave. Richie is pissed off and says this is all Leroy's fault for not fighting Shonuff. What good is that kung fu jive if you can't ever use it? That's what he says. And it's a valid question, in my opinion. He calls him a coward. And that cuts him deep. Leroy is cut deep. The next time we see him, he is training and he's training angry.
1: He's at rock bottom here. So Leroy has gone through the ringer. He can't find the master that he wanted, right? He went to go try to find them and it wasn't working. He has had his first erection and he doesn't know what to do with it. And he's also kind of scared of up <laughs> in that wait, other so situation. Wait a second. <laughs> Yo snuck that past me. I was like, wait, what is that? What was that?
0: Oh fuck, I'm sorry, I keep going. That just stuck with me. <laughs> so I was just saying, he's rock bottom.
1: He's he's got the trifecta here, right? Erection with no purpose, can't find a master, and he's scared of the fight with Shonuff. He doesn't know whether he can he can actually beat him, and he doesn't know where he's gonna go from here. And you're right, he's training angry at his
0: rock bottom point. Yeah, then he decides to go meditate, but just then Laura Charles shows up at his dojo. She thinks maybe she needs a bodyguard and maybe he's the right man for the job. There is some heavy flirting here. She says,
1: A girl could do worse than to have her own real life Kung Fu master.
0: I am no master.
1: You sure look like a master to me.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah There's some strong flirting I think at some point She asks him To guard her body In a very Like suggestive way Yes indeed And this is just adding To the pressures For Leroy right He's, He doesn't know What to do He's kind of rude In the way that he Dismisses her Or sort of fluffs her off He says he can't right now He has another Sort of objective or mission Yeah he has far
0: too much to do And then Johnny Yu Shows up and just Ruins the mood Guy just comes in <laughs> Third wheeling <laughs> so
1: hard <laughs> He's so excited to see her, that he like fanboys out and completely ruins it for both. He of does, them. man. But I think it was good for Leroy because he was he was sinking that conversation real hard, right? Like it was not going anywhere. He was going to sort of shoot himself in the foot, and if he wants to have any chances with Laura later, he he can't be
0: doing that. What an idiot to turn that job down! You got to take that job, son, right away. <laughs> well, we know you would have been all over that job. Oh my God! From there, we cut to Eddie Arcadian holding henchman auditions. I always wondered how these guys find henchmen, and I guess this is the reason they ha- literally have like tryouts. They have fucking it's interviews. Like, you know, yeah, you hold henchmen interviews, I think so. This is a real crew of cartoon characters. This is a movie for children. Look at these fucking guys, Noel. Oh my God. He's also filming Angela's next video and basically tells her he's going to kill Leroy and probably Laura Charles. And uh, it kind of starts to dawn on Angela that maybe he isn't a great guy after all. Yeah, she starts
1: to have second thoughts about her bow because he's about to murder everyone because they didn't give him what he wants and she starts to question him directly whether
0: he actually likes her or he just wants her to get more famous himself yeah man he tells there's a lot of girls that would love to be in her position and basically he dares her to leave and she does good for her yeah it's rough he tells her she's getting by on her tits yeah
1: yeah which is that is not cool and definitely wouldn't fly. It's it's a really weird sort of set of scenes here. The music video they're making is kind of <laughs> hilarious. She's sort of dressed as a car and has like headlights over her breasts and a um
0: a license plate on her ass. Yeah, <laughs> and it says Which, "hot for you." Yeah, it's 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 pretty silly. From there, we cut to Shonoff, who is just running through fools in his dojo. And guess who's there watching him? It's Eddie Arcadian. And he has found his man. This is the guy that's going to help him beat Bruce Leroy. Not only that, Shonoff doesn't even want the money. He says, You just get that sucker to the designated place at the designated time, and I will gladly designate his ass for dismemberment. That is a pretty great line. Come on, man. That's enjoyable. I wrote it down, too. It's actually in my notes, though. So.
1: Um, I agree. Um. It is funny how much Enough just wants to beat Leroy to show that he is the best, right? He doesn't care about anything else. He just wants that pride of being the best ninja in the area.
0: Yeah, but Rock opens up a briefcase that's got to have like hundred grand in it. Why not just take the money and then also beat him? Like, why, why do you keep it's the money? not about do money both. for Shonoff. Yeah, he doesn't care. Do both. Keep the money. It's a free hundred grand. Mm-hmm. does not care. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, but he wants Leroy bad. Speaking of... Leroy has reconsidered the bodyguard gig. I guess he woke up with a fucking brain. (laughs) And in Laura's car, he tells her all about the glow. He also tells her about a problem that his friend is having. You see, his friend likes this girl, see, but he doesn't have any moves. Uh, He's never been with a lady, Mm -hmm. so he doesn't know the art of making love. Laura Charles tells him, I'd love to show you some moves and then he's like oh no it's not me uh, <laughs> it's my friend good lord it is really bad it's pretty hilarious um
1: watching this play out and part of the innocence of him makes this kind of more funny or cute in a way yeah. i think they actually did that in a pretty like they did that well
0: yeah and the scene ends with him being like oh uh, is it hot in here he's with the little fucking colorful that's <laughs> that's it's, that's it's funny yeah yeah um Back on the set of Laura's show, she debuts a new song and video, which is coincidentally about everything that's kind of happening in this movie. It's called The Glow, Mm -hmm. and uh, it would be an absolutely terrible song to make out to, but that's what they do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole bunch of shots or clips of bruce lee as well right kicking people well he's more excited by that than by the fucking super beautiful lady that wants to make out with him i think it's the ultimate arousal for him right the martial arts and the, <laughs> yeah the, the attractive <laughs> woman combining two things that you yeah. love i believe it now, Richie, his little brother, sneaks into the studio again, and he sees this, and he is not happy. Post-makeout, Leroy sees a clip of the Chinese Connection, which is the Bruce Lee movie, and gets the idea to disguise himself to sneak into the some-dumb-goy building. Speaking of sneaking in, Richie sneaks back in to confront Laura, but Eddie Arcadian also breaks in and grabs them. And I actually like this because Richie who, by the way, is completely fucking delusional. Like, in what world is this 11-year-old kid going to fucking land Laura Charles? There's no way. But that's the thing about being 11. You're fucking dumb. You just have no idea, right? So he thinks this is possible. And when Eddie Arcadian grabs her, he actually says to Eddie Arcadian, get your hands off my woman, which I fucking love. That was great. I laugh too. Um, Of
1: course, the ownership angle is not cool now, but in this movie, buying an 11-year-old makes um, like perfect sense and is pretty hilarious. That's good stuff, man. This is a weird split here. This is where we see Leroy go try to find the master. Fuck, At the same time, Arcadian is, like, setting up the dance show to be his own kind of show. And... All of the scenes where Leroy goes to try to find the master and he goes to this fortune cookie company where the sign has the master's name above it is
0: fucking awful. Yeah, it's very cringeworthy. He puts on just a terrible fucking disguise. His complete inability to like use slang or appear like a normal human means that these guys know it's him right away. Like literally they, they take his disguise off within what 10 seconds of him getting inside this building.
1: Yeah, he's so naive and so bad at this, right? They they nail him on being not there right away. He shows them this medal which is supposed to he received from his sort of previous trainer that's supposed to tell the master, and they're like, Oh yeah, we'll show it to him, and they lock him out of the building.
0: Well, but first, they're trying to play craps, but have no idea how to play craps. So they ask him, and this is the one time where they actually do believe he knows what he's doing, and my god, he they, they end up, I can't even fucking say it. He they end up playing hopscotch. Yeah. He he rolls it in some dice version of hopscotch, which like why would of all the things you believe him about that? It's fucking hopscotch. Yeah, that was rough. He doesn't know what craps is,
1: and neither do they, so he somehow convinces them that hopscotch is the way to go.
0: Yeah, man. It's ridiculous. Um back at the dojo, Angela shows up. She's looking to tip off Leroy to what's happening, but he is, of course, uh, absent. Johnny Yu is there, though, and in one of the most bizarre and potentially offensive lines of this whole movie, he says, No, he's not here, but uh, how about something in a medium-sized Oriental
1: Oh, no thanks. (laughs) I'm not Jewish. Uh, (laughs) yeah what is this i didn't understand that reference i don't know
0: if there's something behind that clearly there is i don't know man there's a stereotype that like jewish men like asian women but is that a is that a is that that the other way too is that a two-way street i guess so Or that's what they're implying in this movie it is 1985 so i don't know man that part i was so confused by that part like there's something i'm missing here for sure man anyway she tells johnny what's going to happen and he has to find leroy to let him know On the set of Laura Charles' show, as you mentioned, that your Acadian is there, he has Richie and Laura tied up. He's running the show, literally. Basically, Laura's going to have to come rescue them, but he's busy He's still trying to convince these three Asian guys that he knows how to play craps. Finally, as you mentioned, he gives them the medallion. He demands to see the master, but it turns out there isn't one. It's just a computer generating fortune cookie expressions.
1: (laughs) Which I thought was kind of funny, um, which is clearly what happens in real life, too, when you get a fortune cookie. But this is crushing for Leroy, right? Like, he felt like he was really going to be able to find that master, and then he was going to reach
0: that other level. He was going to find the glow. Oh, my God, yeah. So what do you do when your world is shattered? You go back to your old master. He confronts him. And basically he says, what the hell? And his master says, listen, the true master was inside him the whole time. I mean, he doesn't say that in so many words, but that's the gist of it, right? It's yeah. like, Leroy, there's one place you haven't looked. Where could that be? And the answer, inside yourself.
1: It's it's finding that love, right? It's, it's finding all those other things that were missing at the start. And that's going to bring him to that higher level of Kung Fu
0: glory. Well, listen, it's a good thing that the master is inside him because Johnny tells him what's up. And they're off to the set, man. But first, he locks Johnny in a closet so he can't go and, like, hurt himself. But an adorable kid shows up and lets Johnny out. I don't know who this fucking kid is, but he is delightful.
1: A kid from his dojo who is going to appear pretty strongly in this big battle coming up the gauntlet that's about to happen at the studio. Oh, yeah, man. They're
0: going to rally the troops. But until then, Leroy has got to basically fight this giant assortment of, like, you know, the strangest collections of humans ever. Yeah, this is the weirdest group of people. They would never be in the same place together. And yet he's got to go through them so uh you know he gives it a shot and he's fucking kicking all their asses he downs basically like 15 dudes more show up uh right then johnny and the reinforcements arrive and like you mentioned earlier johnny actually fucking beats some guys up somehow
1: yeah so leroy is sort of stuck in the middle of this studio and we have all these people who are trying to beat him up he does as you say do a really good job of taking down most of them but He kind of gets grabbed by someone, a very large man who throws him down and throws him down a couple times. And if it wasn't for the help of Johnny and the other people from his dojo, he would have been in trouble. But they come in and yeah, Johnny can now kick ass and so can this little kid who saved Johnny from the closet. He is a badass. Holy shit. This kid's amazing. He takes down, like, six adult men. It's incredible. Yeah, he's, like, kicking faces. He's kicking men in the groin. He's doing all these
0: crazy moves, and it's amazing. He headbutts one guy right in the dick. (laughs) drops him just, like a stone just blows up his sack and it's over I mean the kid's the perfect how you just like runs into him you has have to bend over
1: as a, as, an, as a parent of small children I will tell you that is a reality <laughs> oh no I have had that happen oh, no. more than one occasion and it
0: is just a tumble yeah. <laughs> well, there you go so it's a, it's a realistic fighting style oh it's man. a realistic fighting style I'll tell you <laughs> This is not going well for Eddie Arcadian. So he runs along with, he drags Laura with him. Leroy kind of chases him. Now, of course, we know this is all set up for Shownuff's fight because it's the designated place, designated time. Mm-hmm. And Richie, like, breakdances his way out of the ropes he's tied up in to escape. <laughs> this is incredible.
1: Yeah, Richie's breakdancing out. This little kid from the studio is also, like, breakdancing after kicking the ass of all these, like, psycho old men. It's <laughs> it's it's pretty hilarious. You can see they're definitely trying to drop the musical Motown 80s vibes into
0: here really hard. And it's hilarious, but it's also so cheesy. Oh, absolutely, man. Now, unfortunately, Richie is, like, immediately recaptured by one of the guys from Shonuff's gang, which is what lures Leroy out for this kind of final fight. This is Shonuff and Leroy, and Shonuff gets the early advantage Leroy fights back uh, with Richie kind of cheering him on, but Shonuff activates his glow hands to do some serious damage. Shonuff has the glow, kind of, in his hands. Yeah, he's clearly become a master.
1: He's touched himself. And his (laughs) hands turn red (laughs) and he can he can start punching uh he starts punching Leroy, and every hit has this sort of like hilarious red animation thing that happens to it. Oh my god, animated
0: sparks are like shooting across the screen, which is really fucking cool. I was into that. And again, kid me would have loved this shit. I'm like, fuck yeah. It's exciting. It was actually pretty good, yeah. Yeah, man. Show enough beats the shit out of him, and he starts asking him who's the master? Who's the master? But Leroy just will not say it. And as the title track, the song, Last Dragon just kinda mm. swells up and Shonoff is just dunking Leroy's head in this thing of water, saying who's the master, who's the master. Leroy realizes that he does possess the glow because he is the master. It's been inside him the whole time. He get some flashbacks.
1: Yeah, we get all these flashbacks of events that happened previously in the movie and this is definitely setting up his transformation moment, right? He realizes it's time to become the man he was destined
0: to be and who starts glowing completely his entire body. Oh my God, man. enough pulls him up out of the water and he says he asks him one last time, who's the one and only master? And Leroy, who's Suddenly appears completely undamaged and unharmed, just says, I am. And like you said, his whole body begins to glow. And he starts beating the fuck out of Shonuff. Giant fireworks going off with these hits here. Shonoff can't fucking hang with him anymore. And Leroy puts him down. He
1: dummies Shonoff. They do a good job of making Leroy take beats for a long time before he realizes that he is actually the master. And then it is over fast. We get a bit of fireworks, basically, like, literally out of the hands and kicks of Leroy. And then Shonuff is down and out for the count. But who's there to try to
0: put a stop to Leroy? Well, Eddie Arcadian's still around. Mm. And he's got a gun. And he says, this forty-five is going to put an end to all this kung fu shit. And he shoots him. He shoots Leroy. But... Just as the legend said, Leroy catches the bullet with his teeth. Arcadian rolls over what he thinks is his dead body. Leroy basically smiles the bullets in his fucking teeth, spits it out. He just grabs Arcadian, fucking hangs him up for the cops to pick him up and once again he disappears leroy's not the guy to hang around for the credit right he's just kind of like does good vanishes mm-hmm. and from there laura charles looking for him all over the place she wants to find him but she's got a show to do they show up right away laura where are you? you've got a show come on They're trying to fix her hair all this <laughs> yeah shit. they
1: drag her straight off to the studio never mind that she's only been kidnapped like half a dozen times and she's had all these traumatic events but she's got to get to work They take her there. They redo her makeup, redo her hair. Her hair, by the way, in this movie is 80s fabulous. Like the biggest blonde hair you've ever seen in your life. And so they set her up here and we're back at the dance party. It's like a lion's mane. Oh, it definitely is. And Richie's dancing in the crowd, right? Leroy's brother's there. But we don't see any sign of Leroy. Yeah, Yeah, everyone's there. It's all looking good. But what happens?
0: Well, she is looking kind of glum. You know, she wants to find Leroy. He wasn't there. She's got to work. But he shows up dressed all in white with some flowers. Now, the music's pumping. It's a full thing. People are dancing. He trying to tell her something, but she can't quite hear. It, and the music's too loud. So we get one of those things where he's trying to mouth it to her. She can't hear it. Turn it through. She can't hear it. And then she turns the music off just as he yells, can you teach me some moves?
1: <laughs> and everyone laughs. The whole crowd's there. <laughs> they all know he means
0: in bed, not on the dance floor. Absolutely, they do. And one guy who's there, one of Richie's friends, calls him a cornball. But Richie, for the first time in this movie, tells the guy to back off, says, He ain't no cornball. He's my brother. We get the credits. As uh Laura and Leroy embrace. We get a romantic song here, which is called First Time on a Ferris Wheel, a song featuring Smokey Robinson, which is probably at like at worst the third best song on the soundtrack. It's a pretty good song. (laughs) It is good. We have some fake
1: freeze frames here. I was like, oh, this is gonna get a big plus one from Cooper. But what they do is they keep freeze framing each individual name as it comes up and they go. It's not bad. Um they ride up on an escalator or elevator to the ceiling, and this is where i was like oh this is leroy getting his very first time with a lady
0: yeah this is the same thing that she kind of descended down before she performed her song and now they go up that way up into the sky and we can only imagine what's gonna happen next it's a place where dreams are made of right oh my god yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. Uh, okay <laughs> and that's it man we're out and that's <laughs> uh, we're in it. we made it we made it to the end of the that's movie that's it and I, I, you know, it just drove home for me how much I wish I had seen this movie earlier in my life because I would have fucking loved this as a kid. Once those sparks started going off, I was like, fuck yeah.
1: I guess how, so how much of it would have been the Laura character? How much of it would have been the great martial arts? How much would have been the
0: synths and effects and music? It's, I mean, it's a perfect storm. I love the eighties. I love eighties music. It's got now some songs again are complete fucking garbage, but some are great. What fucking kid doesn't love Kung Fu. It's bright colors. The once the animation effects start happening with the fireworks and stuff. That's just fucking awesome. Like that was really cool. Um, I think we just got to rate this thing now, right? Like we're basically at that point. All right, That's what we got to do. So every movie we rate it on a scale of one to 10, we do it twice, one to 10 for how bad it is, one to 10 for how enjoyable it is. And the goal, we're trying to find movies that are a 10 or 10 on both categories, or as we call it, the crit 20. For me, this movie is not even close to bad enough to hit a crit 20. I have this movie as a six bad. I don't think it's that bad, man. Like, when you realize this is a movie for children, like, is it a gripping emotional drama with, like, adult stakes? Fuck no. (laughs) But is it a fun movie with bright colors, Motown music score, and just fucking silliness and, like, enjoyable things? Yes. This was a good fucking time. I only have it as a six bad. What about you? Wow. You went with a six bad. That's right. I don't think it's that bad.
1: Holy shit. Do you have a bad? Yeah, this is a nine bad, my friend.
0: What on earth?
1: This is not a good movie. I mean, are you looking at that through the lens of us right now or us as kids? Uh, Like general moving watching completely? I don't know,
0: like... It's not for us. It's not a movie for I us. Don't know. It's not movie for us. <laughs> How do you know it's a movie for kids? What do you mean? It's look at it. It's 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 complete nonsense. It's a, a uh, well, that's fantasy. why it's a
1: nine, right? It is complete nonsense. It is a complete fantasy. I mean, there's so much that doesn't make sense. The characters are so incredibly over the top right? Like, the acting performances are terrible. The music... Well,
0: hang on a second. Terrible? They're not
1: good at all. Everyone is overacting every single piece. Nobody has... Have you seen the kids movie where
0: the actors were good? (laughs) Well... It's not for adults. There's no fucking way. This movie's for adults. It's a massive failure. This movie's a movie for children. I'm telling you. I feel like it's a teen movie, and I feel like
1: it maybe doesn't hit all of the places it should. I think it is a bad movie. I think it fits perfectly on our podcast. I feel like There are some awful performances, some strange decisions on how things were done. It is way too much trying to advertise for Motown songs, and some of them hit the mark really well, and others were just huge, awful flubs. And so I I don't actually think this is a very
0: good movie. I think it it is a nine bad. My God, we disagree sometimes, and this has got to be one of the biggest disagreements we've had. This is a huge uh, disparity between both of our ratings. Yeah. What do you have for enjoyable? It's a nine, enjoyable. Okay, well, in that in that regard, we're closer.
1: Like I, I enjoyed myself. There, like I, I laughed a lot. I enjoyed a lot of the martial arts pieces. I love the homage to kung fu, the over-the-top acting, and some of the stupidness made me laugh my ass off. <laughs> there you go, yeah. At a really bad movie, and uh, I like some of the musical performances. I like the ones that I recognize, the rhythm of the night, and oh, even some of that I didn't. Banger. The ballads that led into some of the other ones. Um, so. It was a 9 enjoyable for me. So this actually
0: ended up being an 18 for me. Which a is a high score. I think it's one of my highest ratings ever. <laughs> Amazingly, you have this as more enjoyable than I do. I have it as an 8. Oh, uh, there you go. I think this is, I mean, again, I think this is a lot of fun. But I, I'm viewing this very much through the lens of like this is not for adult people. This is for children. It's But even still, as an adult watching it now, super fucking enjoyable. As you mentioned, lots of stuff to laugh at. Some great songs in there. And, like, they they know it's ridiculous, and they're not even trying to make this serious. Like, it's just a fun, colorful, enjoyable experience. And I'm now a little surprised that I have it lower than you on the enjoyable scale. But it's a fucking—it's a fun movie, man. And, like, for kids, I think this is a winner. I am so mad. I I say it again. I'm (laughs) mad at my parents for not fucking renting this when I was a kid because I would have loved that shit. What age do you think you should have watched this at? I don't know. 10? 11? Like— What's the rating on this movie? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you have the Blu-ray. Of your house. Why, why don't you tell me? You have it on there. This is a
1: PG-13 film. Okay.
0: I can only say good things about this. Couldn't even rate it bad. <laughs> it's bad enough to be on our podcast. I mean, it's, it's more than five, so yeah. I'm not neutral about it. It's a bad movie in a sense, but I'm a fan. How about this beer we were drinking, the Motown Honey Brown from Craft Ooh, Brewing Company? Oh, man. It's sweet. And listen, like we talked about Honey Brown. We had a Honey Brown earlier uh, this season. I think you called it like a gateway beer. Like, this is mm-hmm. one of the first beers I ever had was a Honey Brown. And uh, this one is real sweet. You get that honey flavor for sure. I am very concerned about the hangover I'm going to have tomorrow because <laughs> this is not my first beer of the day. I don't know if you want to end the night on a, on a sugary uh, whatever, but it's got some flavor, man. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it. Really easy to drink. As you said, it's definitely honey first. I find a lot of the honey browns tend to be malt forward, and this one was definitely honey forward. So you're right. The sugar content might be scary tomorrow morning, but uh, delicious beer. <laughs> I'm excited to try some more beer from Craft Heads. I love the idea that they just do everything and they have so many options for people. So yeah, I'm excited to see what else they have to offer. If you haven't, definitely check out some of the Craft Heads beers and uh, go online, see if you can order them or see if you can find them in your local liquor or beer distributor.
0: Yeah, man, definitely. So that's going to do it for The Last Dragon this week. Next week, we are dipping back into the request from one of our Instagram followers, we are going to be watching the 1998 version of Godzilla. <laughs> oh no! Uh, isn't this doesn't this have a really good soundtrack? I only remember the Puff Daddy Jimmy Page song, mm, uh, yeah. which I fucking loved. Like this to date ourselves here a little bit. This movie came out when we were both in high school, and like just my god it was everywhere you couldn't avoid it i'm pretty sure
1: the wallflowers hero song is on that soundtrack as well and i'm pretty sure there's even okay. some some Jamiroquay, uh like oh, rock come on. Yeah. are you serious hopefully they're also appearing in the movie because uh i would love that <laughs>
0: Well, we'll see. Either way, it's a request. So we'll, we'll uh, you know, at least we'll satisfy one person next week. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> but until then, if you haven't already, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the BMB Podcast. Yeah. If you have any
1: suggestions, feel free to send us messages to our DMs uh, on the Instagram or Twitter. Or if you want to send us an email at the BMB Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we love both beer and uh, movie suggestions, uh, and we're looking forward to doing more of those suggestions as we uh, finish off our first season and move into our second season as well.
0: Absolutely. We love to hear from you guys anytime, anyplace, anywhere. It's the same thing as any place? I don't fucking know. <laughs> oh, uh, you're just man. too distracted by the glory of...
1: <laughs> Our last dragon and uh, our, our fair lady in the last dragon, I think.
0: There you go, buddy. So next week, Godzilla, be here for that. Until then, I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it vanity. The last of its kind. The best of the best.